This is Paul Nobles from eatperform.com. I am sitting here with eatperform coach Catherine Adams. Catherine, you want to say hello to everyone? Hi, everyone. So we have kind of a small class today. So this is actually kind of, <laughs> we actually had more people in my group coaching call today, um, which uh, was, I believe, six. So we're expecting kind of a smaller class, you know, right now we have four, probably get up to eight or ten. And uh, Thursdays, we sort of devote to fat loss talk and really hope to get a lot of questions. And I'm really hoping that any of the people that are in the call right now, if you're not familiar with Eat Reform, these are our Quick Start Lifetime members. And so they have a little bit more access to coaches. And so they're able to kind of uh, deep dive some of their questions. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and just jump right into Lori's question. And then maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do it in reverse order where I'll talk a little bit about kind of my recent experiences with performance-focused fat loss and maybe some things that a lot of people don't consider and stuff like that. So, um, so Lori's asking, how do you know when to test the top end versus staying in the maintenance phase? And I think ultimately that comes to what your scale is saying. And so if your scale is, I mean, essentially your body is going to search for homeostasis. And so there's going to be a point where you are not going to be able to out eat your metabolism and you'll have a choice of you know to stay there or kind of push it a little bit further typically you're going to want to push push it further if your goals are muscle gaining um you know what's interesting about kind of the muscle gaining experience i've been talking about it and you know i'm not assuming that everybody listens to every single podcast but what happens for a lot of people as they try to gain muscle is they would like it to be exactly 10 pounds of muscle or exactly 6 pounds of muscle. And it doesn't really work out that way. And so I would say if somebody's trying to push the top end, um, I would do so, but keep an eye on it. You know, whenever you're making big changes like that, it's something that you're definitely going to want to uh know what's going on right i mean uh certainly you would probably want to be tracking at that point you know we've been doing a lot of podcasts where we talk about intuitive eating and when you might think about moving more towards intuitive eating um that would be a great example of where intuitive eating is probably a bad idea because you don't necessarily know what's working or not right um, any thoughts on that, Catherine? Because obviously this is, this doesn't come up a lot, you know, other, I mean, it doesn't really come up a lot, but, but it is something that if you think about it is sort of the basis for what we do all of the time. We're kind of walking people from kind of an under eating way of doing things in a lot of cases. And some people are overeating, but, um, and some people are just overeating their metabolism, but you know, just walking through, walking people upwards. I mean, what have you noticed? I mean, obviously from your experience and and talking to people. Well, I find that um, I really, I, I like to encourage people to 
to that top end when things are going well at the gym. They're feeling good, they're weight stable. Um, and I found for myself, rather than when I really wanted to cut or if I was feeling injured, something when everything seems to be going well, why not just to, um, test that top end just slightly? Lori's been doing a great job, and we've just discussed that she's going to kind uh, of she's she wants to PFFL, but things are things are going to be intense for the next thirty days. So this probably would be a good idea to top, uh, test that top end. So and her coach has said that it's going to be pretty pretty intense. So why wouldn't you see what happens, especially yeah. when her plan is to do the PFFL afterwards? So would you agree with that, Paul? Yeah. So can you give me an example of what you know she's she's trying to accomplish in the next thirty days? Um, Lori, maybe you could uh, chime in. I believe it's just her her weight cycle at the gym is going to be. Oh, she's doing um, like a small off or hatch or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not um, quite sure what she said. She's. It's just going to be intense. Yeah. Okay. And good. That, good. That is. I, that is absolutely the yeah. best time <laughs> to push it. That's what she said. She goes. Coach has said it's going to be hell. Yeah. So, um, and and that is absolutely the best time to push it because what you'll find is you can lift more. You can do more. You know. Um, you do want to have some considerations as it relates to to timing. I mean, what kind of what kind of program are we talking about? Is it like weightlifting or is it more CrossFit type stuff? And we're just gonna yeah. We'll, sometimes it takes takes a second. Right, the right info. Yeah. Um. Weightlifting and CrossFit. Okay, so kind of yeah, basically like a, a two a day type strategy. I mean, the the one thing that I would suggest is when you're doing kind of like these really high volume, take your rest days. You know, don't get cheeky with it. You know, um, allow yourself some level of cycling. The one thing I would say is. Normally, you can be a little bit more aggressive, um, you know, if you're normally at 250 grams of carbs, you can go to 150 when you're in a situation like on a rest day. When you're, when you're in a situation like this, you're probably better off keeping it at around 200, right? I'm just kind of giving an example, but it's, it's, you don't want to go too deep in the tank because you want to have enough recovery on that rest day that allows you to work out at 100% the following day. Um, so I hope that's helpful. And, and oh, by the way, that'll really help you going into PFFL. One of the things that I was going to talk about was, was you know, a lot of folks often wonder how it works and, and you know, giving my numbers and, you know, a lot of things that, I don't think are the real secret to how, you know, performance-focused fat loss works. So if you're not familiar with performance-focused fat loss, I will give you the quick skinny. Um, it's basically our way of getting you in a deficit so you see a uh, result in a very short window, and then we move you back to uh, maintenance. 
<coughs> you know, there are definitely programs out there that give lip service. I apologize for coughing, guys. I'm I'm not a hundred percent. And I, I do think I'm kind of on the, the tail end. Then, of course, last night um, I, I didn't end up sleeping all that well. But with uh, performance focused fat loss, it's our way of getting you to a deficit. We put a lot of emphasis on the reacclimation period, a lot more than most other you know fat loss programs do, because we think that that's where most people struggle. And I think that a lot of systems where you're working to a deficit, I, I, I always kind of make this point to the people in group coaching that if I said to you, you need to lose 10 pounds, most people could do it, right? By hook or by crook, you know, maybe they cut off their left arm, you know, who knows. But um, but it's really that, that reacclimation period that makes it sort of difficult for most people. And so that's what we spend a lot of time kind of helping people walk through. But when we talk about setting it up well, we're really talking about kind of what Lori's doing, right? She's upping up her volume, you know, metabolically, she's going to be, you know, putting a lot of demands on, you know, her central nervous system, her muscle, all this type of stuff. And then we go into, um, you know, the next phase where hopefully she's got a lot of calories in the bank and we can sort of move that that volume to be a little bit more muscle sparing but also not always so intense that's one of the things that i think a lot of people make a mistake on and part of it is just how your body wants to work right it's very alluring to think that you can do a 12-minute hit session, right? And that you're going to burn a lot of calories and it's going to be super great for fat loss. I love it for getting better as an athlete, right? And I love it for heart health. And I think from a health perspective, those things tend to be super positive. But we'll often have people say... I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And then when we analyze their actual work schedule, they might have a sedentary job and they're sort of doing kind of like this, you know, a lot of hit work because it's really the only thing available to them, right? So we might mix in, you know, some, some lunch walks, you know, some things where they can kind of increase volume. A lot of times people don't think of some of the options that they have, you know, uh, you know, standing desks, as an example, is something that's become fairly popular. I think the tendency is to want to think that the magic is the calories getting lower. And it really is part of the equation, but I would, I would really argue that it's like 20% of the equation. I did see something interesting, and um, it was from the Precision Nutrition folks, and uh, you know, I have kind of a, a love-hate relationship with those guys because actually, I most people don't know this, but I met Mike Nelson in the forums at Precision Nutrition many years ago, right? I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and so, so I'm very familiar with what they do. They are a little bit more, you know, they have more of an emphasis on 
uh, a deficit than than they do on the bulking side. Now they would argue that they have the bulking side, and I agree that they do, but it's really kind of more aimed at you know 25 year old dudes and stuff, right? We're not really talking typically to 47 year old females and kind of having that discussion. And certainly, if you work with a precision nutrition coach, you probably have had a decent experience with them and maybe they did have that that discussion with you certainly they have that information but what um, the they put out was from John Berardi the guy that started precision nutrition and he was talking about different foods and the caloric breakdown and whenever you talk about you know food in general you get into the concept of calories in, calories out. And it's really super easy to beat up on calories in, calories out. And I think a lot of people took it as that's what John Berardi was doing with this infographic. But what he was really talking about was that foods don't necessarily equal what it says in my fitness pal, right? The way that you absorb it in your stomach, the way that you know the the you know the food um, you know type is, you know the you know does a pop tart have similar type you know bioavailability as say an apple, and um, certainly in terms of of calories they would be similar, but when I process the calories versus the way that Catherine processes the calories, it's going to process differently. So what I thought was interesting about what what he was saying, you know, because it was, you know, it, it just becomes like this internet thing where people are like yelling, you know, but calories work, you know, and 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 certainly we would not argue that you shouldn't have some idea of the calories that you're putting into your body and that that is going to tell you a message. It's sort of like a Fitbit. It's not perfect, but it's better than nothing, right? So here is what I thought was an interesting part about it was how I do performance-focused fat loss, right? So when I'm doing performance-focused fat loss, I try to stick to roughly probably five or six meals um, and then Friday I eat a little bit more flexibly because it's a wave plus day and wave plus is a day where you sort of normalize your system and kind of get it ready for you know kind of going down the, the rest of the week and when you're eating mostly the same foods you can see how your body reacts to them. Like one of the examples was as I was going through the last year, one of the meals that I added was oatmeal, peanut butter, and honey, which has been great for adding muscle. Roughly added six pounds of muscle in the process, but also added four pounds of fat in that process. So now, of course, I'm looking to get rid of that four pounds of fat, and it's going really super well. Um, you know, the look in the mirror, um, the weight down, all of it's going well. 
But I would argue that one of the biggest reasons why it's going well is because I'm sticking to a very specific you know, list of foods because I know how my body reacts to those foods. And oh, by the way, you know, it ain't Oreos, <laughs> you know, it ain't Pop-Tarts. It's, it's a lot of steak, you know, um, you know, the, the deep green salads. Um, but I, I wanted to talk specifically about the oatmeal and how my body reacts to the oatmeal. So when you, when I was doing the peanut butter, honey, and the oatmeal, it's roughly 700 calories worth of oatmeal. Okay, so calories do matter, right? And and ultimately, the way that your body reacts to those calories. And so, you know, it would have been common for my body not to fully absorb it, you know, on certain days. You know, so if it was a rest day and I had that, you know, it wouldn't absorb it as well as I did on a workout day, right? And what's been interesting is that I started mixing in more Greek yogurt because uh, of my protein requirements. Roughly, I'm trying to get to 140 a day. Usually, if I have a scoop of protein, yogurt, steak, I'm pretty close and I can fill in the gaps from there. So, <coughs> but I started, once I started bringing in the Greek yogurt, all of a sudden, you know, I started to lean out a lot more. I wasn't carrying as much water around my waistline. My weight really wasn't that different. But here was probably the most interesting thing, okay? And this is something that, that whether you're doing performance-focused fat loss or whether you're trying to lose weight overall, the thing that most people forget is they want to, we were talking about testing the top end. Most people want to test the low end and they want to test the low end too quickly, right? So, you know, I've had Friday, you know, big workout day for me. Um, you know, I'm going date night, right? So now Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, by Wednesday, I'm really starting to feel it. And I want to be in a position to where ultimately I end up one pound down over the course of that week. And then on Friday, and sometimes I'm down a pound and a half, and sometimes, you know, because overall, it, it actually started on Monday, this is Thursday, so it's three and a half weeks, and I'm down five pounds, right? So I've had some weeks that were a little bit more than other weeks but what's interesting about Wednesday okay so let's say I go out date night have pizza Saturday I was to have my oatmeal it would probably stick around a little bit longer right because I all my you know my my muscles are topped off from from the sodium from the carbohydrates from the pizza you know and and from the day before so when I have oatmeal the next morning, if I don't have a workout, and, and to a certain extent, you know, I'm going to go with yogurt in that instance no matter what, because, um, and I'll give you an example of when I would bring in the oatmeal 
later on. But what you're essentially trying to start to do is start digging a little bit, right? You know, you start trying to, okay, I've had, you know, my day where I've upregulated my system. My weight actually, you know, goes up two to three pounds on that day. And then I have to, you know, come down. I typically, you know, I will say, I will say this to you guys, especially for anybody doing performance-focused fat loss. One of the things that we hear often is that, you know, they'll do a weight plus day and they feel like they're just kind of getting nowhere, right? That's when you know you have to kind of cut your weight plus day down, right? So if normally you're doing a weight plus day at 2,400, you might want to try 2,200, right? And that still would probably represent more calories than you would be eating normally, but you know, the whole point of the way that we do things at Eat to Perform that makes us so vastly different. I mean, one, one, I just talked about eating at a deficit at 2,200 calories, right? Most people are trying to go much, much lower than that. And they're trying to be uncomfortable for very, very long periods of time. When you're doing something like what Lori's saying, where she's up in the volume and she's got her calories, you know, I mean, we... You know, routinely have females that are eating, you know, high twos because of the amounts of volumes that they do. And we have some people that are eating low twos. And then we obviously adjust to that. But it's very easy to fall into the trap of, you know, I'll just make things right on Monday. When you're doing performance-focused fat loss, you don't have the luxury of making those decisions. You kind of have to get, you kind of got to get back on the horse relatively quickly, right? Otherwise, what you're going to have to find out, and this is, this is actually a big problem for a, a lot of people, I would say, you know, because what, what happens if, you know, all of a sudden you kind of let the weekend get ahead of you? Now, all of a sudden, you know, you show up on Monday, your weight is still three pounds up. By the by, the time Tuesday, this Tuesday, um, my weight was 182.2. That's where the lowest last week. So my goal is to get to 181.2 this week. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll exceed it and sometimes, you know, 181.4, no big deal, right? So, but my main point is, is that as you're coming through the week you'll start to feel the draw from eating at the deficit your workouts won't feel as good it's hard to keep the volume up you really have to work at it right one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they uh, when they get fatigued they sort of roll with that and that's kind of a net negative, you know, once or twice, no big deal. But in general, you kind of want to, you kind of want to keep your, your burns up, you know, so you can kind of create a deficit and see a specific result. So now on Wednesday, my weight's kind of showing this linear path, but maybe I'm a little hungry, right? And no, I normally like oatmeal. But my, you know, if I eat oatmeal, like I said, every day, 700 calorie oatmeal, you know, um, P 
peanut butter, honey, maybe it sticks with me a little bit longer, takes a little bit of a while to go through my system. On Wednesday, when I'm a little hungry and I'm looking for something that is a, a, a little bit going to help with hunger a little bit and something that I enjoy, I'll go with, you know, a scoop of protein. I, I don't... I don't typically like the protein that I have in my uh, oatmeal because uh, it's like lemon. If I had cinnamon roll, I'd probably like cinnamon roll a lot more in my oatmeal. So what I do is I just drink my protein before and then I'll have my oatmeal with a little bit of honey. And so, and you go, well, what's the difference from a calorie standpoint? Well, one, there's a huge difference, okay? Peanut butter is a fat, and it's going, and, and we're not anti-fat by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, you know, pretty much, I'd say four out of seven nights, I end up eating a relatively fat cut of steak. I don't really go full-on ribeye. I kind of go more New York strip. But it's just what I like. It's comfortable, and I can still see a result doing that. Right. Um, but when you're having that draw and when you're starting to get uncomfortable, what you need to realize is that the extra carbohydrates from the oatmeal actually benefit you at that point. You know, the tendency, I think, for, for most folks is to get well, we know that most po folks get really aggressive with calories. Sometimes they will keep their, their fats up. That may work. That may not work. I see a lot of instances where it doesn't work because, you know, the people are using more fats for fuel on rest days and keeping their carbohydrates low to keep their calories low. The problem with that scenario is that it doesn't allow for water release related to cortisol. And so when you get too aggressive, you're going to kind of have cortisol issues. That might be the thing that sometimes wakes you up. Probably was a little bit of a culprit for me last night that didn't work out. So I'll, I'll do a little bit more tonight as it relates to kind of a starchy carb before bed. So I sleep a little bit better and make sure that um, I've got that cortisol under control. And I think that that's a piece that if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with eat to form at all, and you've been sleeping for four hours for like the last three years, you know, that's something you should consider. Because if you're waking up in the middle of the night and you can't get back to sleep, that's typically a cortisol issue, you know. I mean, it sort of depends. You know, there's a lot of things going on. I'm not a doctor. I just stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Um, but I will tell you that when you're mostly fed, and especially if, you know, you have some level of carbohydrates at night, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with sleep, but, but sometimes if not. I mean, everyone's a little different, right? I, Catherine Knight, as an example, might struggle. You know, uh, you know. For instance, um, one of the things that happens 
with um, some people is when they have starchy carbohydrates before bedtime, they sleep too deeply. And sometimes, you know, the the dreams can kind of wake them up, you know, from a, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like with like nightmares and stuff like that, the, um, definitely people have, have said that. So, you know, the, just saying, you know, be aware that not everything works perfectly for everyone. That's sort of the point of that. And so what's interesting about the sleep last night is I was really on target to kind of hit my goal kind of a day early. Um, I definitely hit my goal a day early last week um, and probably got a little bit too aggressive and didn't have kind of the starchy dessert that I probably should have had and that's probably what stopped my sleep. You know, it's also, we got a lot of new stuff coming out. We've got a supplement book coming out. We've got a training book coming out. We've got an app that's actually, you know, I shouldn't say it, but it is kind of out there. We're, we're testing it right now. And so that's going to be fun. It's kind of a, it's really, it's, it's aimed more towards beginners and it's going to allow people to kind of walk through each perform in kind of a step-by-step -step manner. Uh, but for, you know, regular eat to perform followers, it will give you, you know, in an app, a lot of the the cool stuff that we put out because a lot of people say you know wow I didn't even know you had a blog which is sort of funny because virtually every article that you've ever read has come from our blog but the app is going to kind of put everything in everyone's hands and we've been able to do a lot of cool video stuff Brad's been doing a lot of really cool stuff with Ask Dr. Brad on the Eat Perform YouTube channel. I would definitely check some of those things out. I actually have to upload um, one as it relates to building muscle, so Lori might want to listen to that when we get that up on the main page. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, so, so any experiences? I mean, obviously you've had, you know, kind of like the, the same thing with performance-focused fat loss. When I'm talking about that draw, like, what are your thoughts there and how, you know, how as you start to, you know, you have your day, the scale is up and ultimately you're trying to work your way down. I know that it doesn't work like that exactly for every single person, but that's kind of the general idea, right? Any yeah, thoughts on that? I found that if I went too low, um, that it would backfire for me. Every single time, my rest days, if I just go too low, I'd be up. It just kind of seemed to happen. And I also had to um, uh, really take care of my, my plus days. I really couldn't afford to go too much. So I'm, I really I learned a lot, actually, about myself is that I, I'm, I like things moderate. I, if I go to the either extremes, um, it seemed to backfire on me. Um, either way so don't you think the extremes though kind of suggests something a little more than it is because really it's not even extreme it's what you used to eat and you start to realize for you know yes for you yeah. to see a result you know you can't go too extreme now the the if you're listening to this you know um 
a lot of people are going to go, that sounds like a cheat day, you know, or something like that. It really isn't. I mean, it's a calculated day where we're trying to define, you know, one, how you can upregulate your hormonal activity so your body, you know, doesn't, you know, think, okay, we're never being fed again. Now we got to adjust. You know, it's really a way to kind of show, and that's why I said like the with the oatmeal scenario, you know, if you go too, too aggressive too quickly, you know, you're, you're just better off probably having, because typically what you're, you're going to do is, is have lower fats in most performance focused fat loss, but that's not the way it works for everybody. It's, it's, you know, I mean, we, we, we kind of customize it for everyone based on what their needs are, right? And so we can work with you, but at the same time, you know, I mean, I, I think I talked about this in the last podcast. We had someone that was, you know, kind of keeping their fats up and they kept their carbohydrates low because they were doing a lot of low intensity work and, you know, just analyzed their food log and then made the change, upped their carbohydrates, lowered the fats and boom, dropped four pounds, right? So, um... People don't realize now when you say getting too aggressive, what were the consequences of that? Like what 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 do you think? I mean, was it sleep? Did you get sick? Were you not able to work out? Talk to me a little bit about what that looked like. Do you remember? My uh, weight went up. <laughs> right, but but what I'm trying to get at is you know, and you might not even remember, maybe you were being a little bit too aggressive with carbohydrates, um, maybe the activity level or sleep. Do you, do you remember at all? Cause it was a while ago. Overall, just my calories. Cause I went, I decided that I would use those low numbers for PFL, yeah. uh, right away. And, um, my energy tanked my sleep. I, I, I have, issues with sleep as is so it got even worse okay that's um, what that okay that that's what i really wanted to hone in on because i kind of remembered that was it yeah. but i didn't want to like force it on you you know because goodness <laughs> knows <laughs> well the um i'm telling you you guys what we use here and a lot of clients have them their heart rate variability monitors there are two things that affect heart rate variability more than anything else, being sick and sleep. And so what Catherine just told you, what I just told you, you know, when I don't get an adequate amount of sleep, basically, you know, my repair hormones aren't able to do their job throughout the night. And so, you know, if you're a chronic you know, if you're chronically having trouble with sleep, you're much better off trying to figure that out first. Um, have you tried the Sleep With Me podcast? Do you know what I'm talking about? The um, I have looked into it, but I haven't done it yet. And I tried listening to it yesterday. I, I mean, I, I, I've listened to it. For those that don't know, Sleep With Me podcast is a uh, bedtime stories for adults, uh, podcast. Uh, I tried to listen to it. You know, I, I, 
the first couple times I listened to it, it worked like a charm. Um, I think there was a lot of things going on, you know, we knew that the, the app was coming out, you know, today. And so I was kind of excited about that. You know, what's interesting about, um, about the struggles that I have, it tends to be excitement related. I tend to be excited about things that, that are coming up and, and normally, you know, I used to struggle with insomnia back in my poker days and the one thing I, I had to just kind of come to grips with was that I'll get I'll get tired and I'll go to sleep, you know, but being too in my head wasn't good. So that's a little bit what sleep with me does is, you know, one of the best things I heard on that podcast that I think is true is that we don't have thoughts going through our head. We don't have a million thoughts going through our head. We have singular thoughts that are consistently going through our head. And if you can replace those thoughts with a distraction, you know, like this guy reading, you know, a manual for a tractor or something, you know, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, the podcast and, um, but it didn't work for me last night. You know, um, and it's not perfect. And I, and I would say that, you know, I, I'll tell you guys, you know, I probably listened the first, you know, week to two weeks, liked it, but I realized that I could get sort of the same result <coughs> listening to the Mark Marin podcast. It was just a matter of getting in that relaxing position, snuggling up, you know, and, um, getting my mind off of, you know, all the things that go on throughout the day, you know, family-wise, work-wise, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say overall, the, the, the last thing I would say for anybody kind of interested, you know, we'll probably be talking about that a fair amount, is when you come out of a deficit cycle is really the most important time by far. You know, we talk about it a lot, so I'm not going to go into it, but you have to allow a little bit of a bounce back. So hopefully, you know, you've been able to get enough um, weight loss, fat loss in the process. So you've got a comfortable bounce back. So if you lose 10 pounds, typically you're going to want to bounce back about three pounds but you got to keep an eye on it because it's really easy. You know, your body is naturally going to want to go back to the the 10 pounds, right? The body's going to want to restore to homeostasis. It is going to, and the, the concept that we're talking about is called set point theory. And, you know, it's a theory for a reason, um, but it's also fairly fairly commonly thought that this is the way to go. And from an anecdotal standpoint, this is this is you know got a lot of evidence behind it but what you don't want to do is allow your body to drift back closer to that 10 because you put in a lot of hard work right mm -hmm. and so there's probably going to be some level of discipline it sort of depends on how successful you are depends on dieting history and the amount of work that you can do right and i think um that's one of the arguments for 
a little bit of low intensity. Um, problem with most things is that when we're talking about low intensity, people are like, I love my walks. It's like, well, how's your weightlifting coming? Oh, I don't like doing that. And then there's the weightlifters that are like, you know, how's the cardio coming? Oh, I don't want to lose my gains. It's like, what about the spare tire? <laughs> right? Like, you know, I mean, like you have to, there, there are concessions that need, need to be made. And even though eat to perform is, is really talking about performance, you know, most of the time, you know, certainly this podcast is devoted to the other time because, you know, I mean, people want to get PRs in the gym, but they also want to, you know, be ready for, you know, beach season, you know, so um, I would say that that's, uh, and I'm actually really excited about this year and I'm excited about summer camp, you know, which will be coming up soon. Uh, you know, I, I would be lying to you if I said that, uh, you know, summer camp wasn't a little bit of motivation for me with performance focused fat loss. I was absolutely loving the lifting more, you know, eating an adequate amount of food for what I was doing, but you know, there's a time to buckle down and this is that time. And really the work that I did over the last year has been proven, you know, a lot of results, but I'm getting to the hard part. You know, we're week four. You know, I'm aiming eight to ten, you know, pounds. Um, like I, you know, tell everybody to do. Um, it sort of depends. I mean, if you have more fat to use, you can sometimes be a little bit more aggressive. Um, but yeah. How long will it take? How long will it take you to reverse out? Do you think? Paul? This time, not long. Uh, I'm gonna be training for the the Granite Games. You know, I will, you know, I, I, I don't remember if I talked about this. In, I think I talked about it on Monday's podcast. But I, I did sort of let that get out of hand a little bit and didn't keep as much control, um, which was good. You know, I still, you know, I ended up gaining a lot of muscle in that process. But this year, as I up my volume, you know, I'm going to definitely keep an eye on it. And, you know, and that gets difficult because like in Lori's example, um, what am I really trying to do, right? Am I trying to win the Granite Games? No, I'm not, right? I am simply trying to keep fitness as a priority in my life. What happened last year is I sort of prioritized the Granite Games a little bit too much because it was my first fitness competition. Now that I know what to expect, I don't feel like I'm going to have to have, you know, like, I, I kind of overdid it, you know. Um, my weight really wasn't up, but it sort of established, like, this this pattern that sort of lasted. And then, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm no different. Catherine's no different. You know, we get sick. You know, we struggle. We get injured. You know, all these little hurdles do come up occasionally, and that's been a little bit of the story for me this last year and it's been a lot of the bit of the story for Catherine which is you know she's struggled through all kinds of issues but you know but I'm persevering <laughs> yeah well and and what's interesting about it I think is there is a certain amount of responsibility that happens to it right I mean like in your situation you've been able to kind of keep an eye on the ball while you're having all these problems rather than going, woe is me, you know, 
and then digging a hole that you got to eventually get out of, which, as I'm explaining right now, is uncomfortable, you know. And a lot of what we really like, especially in group coaching, a good a good majority of the discussions that Catherine and I are having with our group coaching clients on a daily basis really comes down to managing discomfort, but also kind of, you know, it's like it's like having a friend that knows a lot of things you don't know and the things that they don't know, they can get help from people that know, right? And so from that perspective, I think, you know, we're actually getting to the point, you know, I'm going to announce it I um, probably in the next week because we're real close to 500 and we're kind of capping group coaching at 500 just because, um, it's 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 a very demanding part of the business and you know it gets to be waves and so we're going to be fairly strict about you know um you know not overwhelming each team because each team has basically three people on the team and we all have various roles and you know the and and a lot of us have other responsibilities within each form so we're going to cap it off. We may bring in another team, you know, right now we basically, you know, three teams, roughly what, you know, 166 on each team. Um, and we're able to kind of handle that volume. Um, I'd probably like to see it truthfully around 150, but we may bring out another team eventually which would allow us to go to 600 and then we'd go 150, 150, 150, 150. You know, the way that group coaching works is a little different. You know, you have your first intake call with the e-perform coach, sets up your plan, walks you through your goals, stuff like that. And then you pretty much, you know, we, we call it a monthly call, but there's a number of people that if, if you're talking to us in your journal and you're talking about being uncomfortable, we want you on a call, right? We don't want you like, you know, sitting there feeling uncomfortable. And mostly we try to keep the calls relatively small. So adding one person occasionally isn't going to be that big of a deal. And it's not typically an issue, but, you know, we like to be able to be there for people in that perspective. Um, so... There we go. So, but yeah, so if you're hearing the, the 166, maybe you're thinking, wow, that sounds like a lot of people. It is, you know, it's a lot of work. You know, we spend a lot of time taking care of folks. So, um, <laughs> Catherine's like nodding. Yes, Paul. Um, in fact, I got to get back to journals right now. So, <laughs> all right, you guys. Well, I think that that pretty much covers it. We pretty much only had the questions from Lori, but we were able to, you know, cover a lot of ground. And so I appreciate everybody being here. I know, you know, it's a relatively small class. I wish we had more questions, but, you know, that's okay. Um, other than that, we will see you guys on Saturday for the training call. So I appreciate everybody being here, and we'll talk to you later.